0: I'm Jeff Hakim, founder of MCM Wealth. Welcome to our podcast today. We do these podcasts to advise families, business owners, and health professionals. Our approach is to build customized portfolios for each client while offering comprehensive financial planning services. Thank you for joining us today on this educational journey designed to protect your future.
1: Hello and welcome to the MCM podcast. I'm Wendy McConnell. Today, we will be discussing portfolio second opinions with Bob Hoyt and Kirk Lowry of MCM Wealth. Hello and welcome, gentlemen.
2: Thanks so much, Wendy. Hi, Wendy.
1: It's good to see you guys. So we're talking about second opinions here. And when I think of a second opinion, I think of doctors, you get some sort of, you know, advice about what they want you to do. And you're like, oh, get a second opinion. So is this kind of similar? It is, Wendy.
2: And when we think about the second opinion, it's really for something that's really important with our health. It's not something that we would go in maybe for just a checkup, but something's, something's going wrong. And there's a treatment that's been recommended to us. And that treatment has consequences, some good consequences and potentially some bad consequences. And when we think about that second opinion for our health, we apply it to our wealth. It's done very purposefully. A lot of people recognize, of course, the impact that an illness Or disease can have on our life and the long-term implications that can occur because of that. And we don't want to overstate it, but in many ways, a wealth plan that doesn't work, or maybe there isn't even a wealth plan in place, that has long-term implications on how we want to live our lives. And in some cases, how those that uh, uh, impact can uh, change even the work that we do with our children and our grandchildren. So a second opinion does have a magnitude to it. And we think of it in this way, that if we have anxiety in our life, like you would if you had an illness or disease, but it's related to our financial health, if you will, then it's time to get a second opinion because we should be working through our lives with comfort in our resources and how they are helping us to live the lives that we want to do.
3: I would, I would say, Kirk, that one addition I would make that is different from the medical is that in uh, a medical second opinion, you're relying on a professional to give you a diagnosis. In the fin- In the world of financial advisors, they're going to usually say you're doing just fine uh, because they're with that. And they may be making changes, but they don't put it as there's a problem that uh, is a danger because so it, it, it therefore needs to rely on that person who is trying to figure out what to do with their money to sense, you know, I'm just not comfortable. I, it, it doesn't feel like this is who I am, what I what to do. Uh, you mentioned a wealth plans. Some people have that. Others just think about their portfolio. But there's something that isn't right about either the performance is bothering them, or they feel like when they talk to the advisor, he or she doesn't get it about what they're trying to say. And so it's really, the onus is more on the client to recognize that they need a second opinion rather than some expert
2: having said, hey, you need a second opinion. Yeah, I think that's right on target. It's really comes down to discomfort. If we want to, you don't want to overplay the medical analogy, but you go to the doctor because you have symptoms, you have discomfort with things, and then you learn about what's going wrong. And it's that same motivation, that discomfort you feel because you just don't have the confidence that you need to get it out of your mind and out of your heart. So it is it is certainly driven by the person, the investor, the client very much.
1: It's almost like a gut feeling, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's
1: bottom line.
3: That's correct, Wendy, that like usually it's sort of uh, starts with. I can't even quite say yet, and we help people to figure out uh, how to define it, but I'm not quite sure what's bothering me, but I know something is. It's
1: probably more like something is not aligned with the way that you want to go about doing business. Is, is that kind of like what you're saying?
3: Yeah, the, the way we use alignment in uh, MCM is... If you have a wealth plan, which we always recommend to people, is your portfolio, then the wealth plan is your strategy. Your portfolio are really your tactics to reach that strategy. And you need that portfolio to be aligned. If you don't have a real wealth plan, you still have goals. Everyone has financial goals, short-term, intermediate-term, long-term. And that's more than enough to see whether your portfolio is aligned with money you know you're going to need in a few years, money you're going to need maybe in five to seven and money that you can let grow for a while. And those require different kind of investments. Basically, the rule of thumb is the longer the term you have before you know you're going to need the money, the more volatility and risk you can take because that allows it to grow more. Uh, uh, when you can tolerate more volatility. Some people, we give people risk scores and we know whether volatility will make them uncomfortable. That doesn't mean we that we should just always tailor a portfolio to their comfort level. That I would not call alignment. What alignment is to keep you focused on your end game of where you're trying to go. And if we have to help you get over your discomfort, that's part of our job.
1: What do you mean by end game? End game
3: is we all have a lifespan. We all start thinking, well, here's what I need. You know, the younger you are, you go, well, I first want to sort of figure out where I'm going to live. Then, oh, I met someone. Oh, well, are we going to have a family or not? And the the older you get, the more you recognize, hey, if you don't plan it out, then you may not end up where you want to be, but by the time you you're uh, ready to retire or you don't even know whether you can retire, that's what I mean by the end game is like, what do you want to leave as your legacy of what you've done with your life financially?
2: And Bob, one thing I would focus on from that base that you just described is that the wealth plan, the discovery process that we do identifies the person, what's important to that person, as you described, throughout their stages in life. And it's not just that person, but it also includes the areas of of aspiration for themselves and their families. And the portfolio is an outcome of that discovery process. And so if you describe and have a plan that identifies what's important for you financially we would say your your uh, needs wants and aspirations your portfolio should reflect that and it can be things such as bob talked about the the risk that you're willing to take well if you have a risk aversion it, it causes you concern then you should see investments in your portfolio that will give you comfort in that way you might have a passion about the way you want the world to work. Maybe it's climate change and you want to see investments in your portfolio that reflect your values. So you should be able to look at your portfolio and say, you know what? That investment is there because it addresses something that's important to me.
1: What's the difference between a wealth plan review and update and a portfolio second opinion?
3: Well, I'll take that one, Kirk. That um, remember I mentioned the idea of strategy versus tactics. So, if you're, let's say that you just got a big inheritance, or you you just got stock options that maybe aren't you're not cashing out yet, but you know they're going to be worth millions of dollars. You need to revise your wealth uh, your wealth plan because there's some new good news. If there's a health problem that comes up, that would be the other side of the coin of, hey, there's something new to consider that isn't good news, but we better uh, get our head around it and how we plan on using our money uh, for that. So that would be the primary, let's call it the big ticket items of your life need to be addressed by a wealth plan update. When you go to the tactics, that's much more about Well, am I in the kind of investments that are going to get me uh, the kind of return that I'm after in five years, 10 years, 15 years, so that no matter what I'm doing, we all want more money. But some of us are willing to take more risk for that money. Some people need more sleep at night factor in that. And they also need to decide, which is one of the other important reasons for a second opinion Do I really feel that I can trust my advisor that he or she is telling me things that I shouldn't know about, but I should be told about in terms of today in the world, we're dealing with the decline of American power, climate change coming on faster than we ever thought of. Now, what does that mean for one's portfolio? We don't expect the client to know, but we expect to give them advice around these changes.
2: I think, Bob, one of the areas that people focus on is they get their quarterly reports, their monthly statements. And so the portfolio naturally has visibility. The wealth plan is certainly an active document, but it's a document that doesn't have that frequent visibility that you have when you look at your investments. And so naturally the focus, the impetus for the anxiety that discomfort is coming from the plan itself. And we would simply say, if you have discomfort, lack of confidence of any different type, that's the first stage to get the second opinion. Another nuance to that is maybe you don't feel such discomfort, but if you look at your statement and you can't identify the purpose for each of your investments, then you need a second opinion. Because it's important that that second opinion identifies for you whether your investment plan is going to allow you to achieve what your wealth plan has identified. And if you don't know what's in your portfolio and why it's there, then chances are there's a disconnect between the plans that you have and your ability to achieve them through your wealth.
1: Why is it a second opinion on a portfolio, not individual investments?
2: Well, Bob talked about this a moment ago, and a portfolio is a structure. And like a house, you have to get the structure right in order for it to support what you want it to do. And the structure is something that can be analyzed with certainty. accuracy now within that structure you can you can have within your portfolio different types of investments Uh, investments do certain things well and certain things not so well and there's no necessary grouping that says you have to have one investment in order to have everything that you want it doesn't work that way there are tens of thousands of investments and you can uh, uh, assemble a variety of investments to fill that structure that your portfolio identifies. So the first thing is get the structure right, and then we can start looking at what investments are gonna best support, best utilize the structure so you can accomplish what you want in your plan.
3: Let me get, uh, let me give uh, Wendy a quick example to sort of uh, clarify what Kirk is saying about knowing the meaning of each investment. So you're looking at your portfolio and you go, why do I have this ETF for emerging markets? Like, I, all I care about is the S&P 500 and US stocks. And so then it would be required that we get their consent and understanding of, listen, the American economy is still a marvel in the world, but right now uh, the prices in uh, US stocks are very expensive. So don't you want some things, in case the market at some point starts to freak out, which it typically does eventually when things get too expensive, don't you want to get some things in another part of the world that are on the way up, emerging economies that are currently very cheap? If that person says, no, I'm never going to get comfortable with that. I I want to stick with the American economy, they're the customer we're not going to tell them that they should they can't do that we're just going to tell them why we think it, there's a place for it in the portfolio but it's up to them
1: got it how do you get started with a portfolio second opinion
3: so kirk i think i should maybe here talk about one of the things that is very unique in uh what we've done to develop the second opinion process started with some ideas that I've developed over the years of my career because I started as a clinical psychologist. So you've already heard some references to a portfolio that's aligned with who you are. Well, how do we know who you are? Well, the discovery interview is where we go into some some in-depth discussion, which people tend to love because they don't typically get asked things like, well, what's the most important thing to you about having money? Is it to have a recognition of your success for the world, which usually means that lifestyle and how you live it is important. Is it about making sure you're leaving your children a certain amount of money that you have in mind? Is it about making the world a better place? The more we know about people, the easier it is to go back to that word alignment, to be getting that aligned. So the discovery meeting is to get a a sense of, What do you really want and need from your money? Now, some of these things are more this kind of probing discussion. Others are the new generation of online instruments are, some of them are quite remarkable. We now give an online risk survey that doesn't just tell us about their risk tolerance. That's sort of what everyone knows is when you get uncomfortable, but also things like your risk composure, which is, yeah I get uncomfortable, but if I have a good advisor, they can calm me down and that because that composure score is quite a bit higher than their towers. We like that because then it's easier for us to get them to go, I know you're nervous, but let's have a meeting and talk about why we'd like you to hang in there.
1: Does that mean um, you get a lot of calls sometimes from from some of your clients going, oh no, I'm nervous.
3: all the time all the time and it's part of our job to go you know what why are you nervous because you are it's our job to come up with the right ways to help them understand it better or make a change if they really are too uncomfortable that's where i go back to they are the customer the other online instrument that we use in discovery i'll just briefly mention which is It has nothing to do with the investment plan that we'll create for that because that's the main purpose of the discovery meeting is to go to our advanced technology platform with things we've learned about them to develop a portfolio and compare it to their current portfolio that uh, is going to meet their needs uh, as well as possible this other instrument is kind of interesting because it doesn't have to do with the initial investment plan it has to do with if you do like the investment plan, we wanna know what motivates and doesn't motivate you. People are remarkably different, Wendy, on whether they want a lot of detail from an advisor or they get irritated with too much detail and they just wanna know the big picture. Uh, what are demotivators to people? Uh, sometimes it, uh, too much analyzing uh, is is it frustrates them. And other people, they need more analysis to get comfortable. So some so some of these things we do in case all works out to make sure we have the best kind of relationship with them to build the most important thing of all, which is trust in your advisor.
2: You know, when Bob talks about the trust with the advisor, I mean, ultimately, this is a relationship, as you described. What happens behind the scenes with that relationship, as Bob talked about, is the technology platform. I mean, it's a a, a couple words that describe a lot of capabilities that exist. We are in the place now where pretty much any investment can be analyzed for exactly what it's done and what it's structured to do. And we can make assessments as to whether it's likely to succeed in what it's intending to do. And this goes down to the fact that when we have these detailed information, this profiling of what the needs, wants, and aspirations are of our clients. We can then start going through a very fine-tuning process of selecting those investments to complete those portfolios that will execute that plan. And we do this with technology, not only for capability sake, but it also brings to us and forces us to be objective. We cannot fall into habits and rules of thumb without really looking to say, is this investment fitting with what we want it to achieve? And Bob also talked about something that's important. This is an ongoing process, even with an advisor, with the wealth plan and the investment plan that achieves that. We always want to be looking at that investment plan to make sure that what we've expected to happen is in fact happening
1: how do we know that the portfolio that we have, the investment plan, is in good condition?
2: Well, let me start with a couple of things we've talked about. First of which is, can you describe why your portfolio is structured the way it is to achieve what you want in your life financially? If you can articulate that, then you can say that there's a level of comprehension and understanding that's essential to have a successful program as we would describe it. The other thing is one level deeper than that. As I mentioned before, do you know why each investment is in your portfolio? What is its purpose? If you can articulate that, then you will understand why it's there and you will understand why it will bring for you in a certain place and time, short-term, mid-term, and long-term, its particular purpose and objective. If you can articulate those things, then you are an educated client, and an educated client is a good client.
1: Why do you think, what is it that's valuable about having another advisor do this second opinion?
3: Well, the most straightforward answer to that is, given the vast complexity uh, that is today the world of financial choices and investment selection, no two advisors are gonna be alike and no two firms will have an identical culture. So one of the reasons for a second opinion is you get exposed to a different way of thinking, different set of tools for building the portfolio and a different approach to um, the big picture. And that is very valuable to people, almost invariably, that compare and contrast opportunity to go, well, do I like better uh, what I'm hearing here? Or actually, uh, do I want to recommit to um, where I am now? Which happens sometimes. It doesn't happen often. But it doesn't happen often, not because I was just trying to blow my own, toot my own horn. It's because this is a very uh, labor-intensive and detailed process. The the, uh, the discovery interview is uh, t- takes some real analysis, and these technology tools take a lot of time to build properly. We do stress testing, not just it's easy to do testing on past performance, but what about stress testing for if inflation stays high, or if we have a hard landing for a recession? We also do have the technology tools to do that. We're currently using four different kind of AI platforms to to further sort of inform us on forward-looking ways to look at it. So we do have, my partner Jeff will do a screening interview to see, look, are you just wanting to sort of have some mild doubts and want to confirm it, or are you pretty dissatisfied? We're looking for people that are seriously looking and probably want to make a change.
1: Okay. So this has been a lot. Uh, Can you each say something that could summarize the biggest takeaways for people?
2: Well, let me start with this. This is about boldness and confidence. It's about taking that step into the future, knowing that you're in good hands. And I will come back to the second opinion when it comes to medical treatments. When you have that second opinion, say you have a disease or an illness, And then doctor for the second opinion confirms what you were told. This is the right program. This is the right treatment. These are the right medications. This is the right surgery. You have confidence that you can go forward with that. You may not like what you have to do, but you have confidence in the outcome. And that is very important for what we are talking about here. When you wake up in the morning and you, whether you, Get on the internet or on your phone, and you see the headlines from what's been happening in the financial world, uh, uh, in the in Europe and Asia, and we start thinking about how that will come today. And you start reading about the the morning forecast for the days in uh, financial markets or whatever it might be, and it brings you anxiety. You have to do something about that. Every investor, regardless of their wealth, should have a map and an understanding of what they want to accomplish and that they have the resources to do it. If you're waking up with anxiety and you're not sure of what to do and you have these things on your mind when you wake up and even then, of course, when you lie down to go to sleep, there's a problem, get a second opinion. It's that important.
3: Uh, I'm going to give as my uh, biggest takeaway is you have to go through it to understand the power of combining psychology and technology because the technology can't do as much when it doesn't have some good inputs about who you are and what you're about and what you want. But the technology then is essential, particularly because we are in a phase now, we all feel it. The world is changing at an ever accelerating and uncomfortable pace, climate change, uh, the decline in American powers, the peacemaker of the world. All these things, as Kirk just pointed out, make people anxious. Well, that doesn't mean we can do anything with it as on the psychology side. That's not what our job is. Our job is is to show you how the portfolio is incorporating these changes and that the, the the Portfolio is well positioned for for where the world is going. That's a big takeaway for you.
1: All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate you being here and taking the time and talking about these second opinions.
2: Thank you, Wendy. It's always great, Wendy.
1: All right. And thank you for listening. Please like, follow and share this podcast. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell.
0: This is Jeff Hakim again. Thank you for listening to this episode of our MCM Wealth podcast. Please click the follow button to be notified of new episodes as they become available. Also, please visit our website at www.mcmwealth.com or call me on my direct line at 415 299 six65. 74 so you and I can have an initial discussion. We look forward to learning about you.